Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thing for me to learn that whenever there's disappointment in something not working mm. out, we've got to feel it to heal it so that then we're complete with the experience. Hey everyone, you're tuned into a new season of Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I am so glad you're here. This episode's special guest is Caduce. Caduce and I go way back. He was actually one of the first mentors I had when I moved to Los Angeles and started my career in the entertainment industry. So it was really great to connect in this way seven years later. Caduce and I talk human to human about the depths of personal transformation, rediscovering yourself without fear of what others might think, which we can all agree is surprisingly easier said than done, right? We also talked about changing career paths and pursuing fulfillment instead of fame in the midst of it all. Before each episode, I give you a few recommendations inspired by the conversation you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out, and a reflection question based on something sparked by the episode. So here we go. This episode's song to put on repeat is the Get By Remix by Talib Kweli featuring Most Def, Jay-Z, Kanye West, and Busta Rhymes. This week's read is The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. And switching things up for this week's reflection question, after you listen, make a list of three things that bring you fulfillment right now. Sometimes we have to take things that are in our mind and our head and put them on paper so that we can see what brings us joy now. And I believe seeing a list like this will bring us back to the center. So as always, leave your thoughts in the comments or at humanhumanseries.com. Now let's get into my conversation with Caduce. I told you via um, Instagram, we were talking about booking it, that I was scared to do this conversation a little bit because I know <laughs> that after talking to <laughs> And I smiled so much. No I know, one could I be felt terrified it. of me. I literally, I was like, I know Caduce is going to laugh, which is why I was like, should I have told him? But no, I wanted to make sure. I was like, I know after talking to him, it's going to be so heartfelt and deep. And I might just like, because I already know what I'm personally struggling with, which I just don't mind sharing with you. But it's, I just knew, I was like, he's somebody that was a mentor to me when I first got into this game, this media industry. I have emails of us back in 2013. When I was doing research, mm-hmm. I was looking, I was like, so when did me and Caduce like meet? There's a, an email of me emailing you before I moved to LA. And I was like, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to come out for one week. Can we meet during this time? You wanted to meet at um, Cafe, not gratitude. Was it gratitude or Cafe uh, Graffiti? It's probably Cafe, cafe graffiti. gratitude. No, Cafe Graffiti. Oh, Graffiti, yeah. On La Brea, yes. which is no longer yes. there. Yeah. Yes. So that's where we met. Um, we talked. You gave me such great advice. And you were like, let me know when you move here. I moved here. You were one of the only people I was willing to be an assistant. And I say willing because part of me was always scared. I was like, why didn't I work for anyone? And you're reading those emails was like, oh, I actually like, and I enjoyed serving in that space. You brought a lot out of me. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Mm. And I was like, wow, we've really gone so far back. And Mm. I've had such an interesting journey in the industry, beautiful career, and it's still going, but it's evolved a lot. There was definitely some gut punches. And Mm. I recognize so much of your story because I was like, now, I'll be honest, a part of me is nervous to resonate with your story at this point. Mm-hmm. Because you experienced 20 years before you were like, all right, soul shift, new shift, change. So to me, I'm like, he's already done the thing. It's it's old news. And now this new news, he gets a whole new chapter. I was, I'm six, seven years in and I'm like, yeah, I think it's almost over. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and it's so early, right? Like I resonate yeah. very deeply with your transitions. Mm. One that I'm so excited to bring to light tonight, today. And 
I was like, but are you resonating too early? Like, what is this? Are you, I don't know. There's such Okay, a- so, so first of all, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do that. Sure, sure. And truth sure, be I told, agree. I was over it probably after three years. And I actually stayed in the game, but I was doing other things in it. So I left MTV after five years. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed doing different things because I wasn't willing to jump all the way. Yeah. And so I have a lot of respect for anybody who's just willing to do like the Dave Chappelle and just like walk away with $50 million, period. I'm going to Africa. Right, I'm out. (laughs) I was like, I like tiptoed out. I was like, I was like the guy at the club that's just like kind of walking out slowly though. Like, ooh, but that song's kind of good. I'm gonna stay for that. It was like that. I was gonna ask, I was like, did you feel like you towed the line in two worlds? Do you still feel like you play in two worlds? Do you, do you think it's, do you think you have to decide? In a sense? Well, I'm coming around on a different understanding of what it means to stay true because there's a lot of different mediums now. Podcasting wasn't around when I left mm-hmm, MTV. Mm-hmm. If it was, I probably would have just gotten myself a podcast and called it a day. Right. Not right. had all this angst about, well, I don't know, but this show doing the thing and this show seems a little off too. And like, yeah. and then I tried on some of these things that I thought maybe I can be in the belly of the beast. Maybe I can make a difference at this entertainment news show. And then they almost, you know, I say they as if there's something outside of me. I chose to allow that kind of a culture to affect my way of being in the world because uh, I really pretzeled for a bit there. I really did sort of compromise what it is that I probably would have worn on any given day to put the suit and tie on that I'm supposed to wear if I'm an entertainment news journalist, you know, all the things that chip away at our integrity. Do you think that has to happen to find out what your authentic self is? Do you think it's possible to just know? Is it possible to do a show and say like, no, that's not what I would wear on the weekday. And they're like, well, you're, it's a job though, right? So like a part of any job is, I don't want to say is compromised, but is a part of adding some things, right? So Mm -hmm. is it possible to do any job fully authentic? I think that's what we're moving into. I think we all are seeing now how many layers of inauthenticity that we've bought into and how it's actually not serving us, Mm. that we've all kind of gone along to get along. The status quo has been smothering what our soul really craves. And now I think we're actually seeing it because of things like social media, because people are being bold in what they're talking about and and, and saying, why do we do this, though? Mm -hmm. I get that suits are the thing to wear at an occasion, but why are we questioning Cause I'm not even comfortable in suits. Let me tell you something. I haven't worn a suit since I left an entertainment news show back in the day. So that for me was, is a clear delineation, you know, but then there's moments that aren't so clear. And that's where I think experience is the best teacher. Mm. And there's nothing like giving things a chance and saying, you know what, it occurs this way from where I'm sitting, but let me give it a chance. And that's what I did with a couple shows. And I thought, what's the worst that can happen? Well, eh, I'll end up feeling like a pretzel and then remember Q-tips advice and step away. Yeah, And that's exactly what happened a few times. It was like sort of third times the charm after three times of me really giving different shows, different networks an opportunity. I said, there's a pattern here. Yeah. Isn't that, wow. It's a beautiful, freaky thing when you're like, okay, it's not going away. Um, and I wanted to ha- ask if you could define over it. You were like, I was over it in three years. I'm like, what's over it? <laughs> that's a great question. So I would say over it is not actually to do with anything external. But I wasn't at the point in my own agency, in my own sovereignty, in my own empowerment to be who I am boldly, unapologetically on any platform. I was still thinking about what I should do, what they want me to do, right? Versus who I am. And they hired me for that. And so your story about your moment at that network, 
and where they were asking you to wear things that you wouldn't wear, even after they said that they hired you for you. Yeah. There's a glaring example of where in that moment, it's not like they're actually clubbing us over the head and enslaving us into this reality. No, they're saying, hey, could you wear this? Right. These high heels right here? Right. This right. glitter right here? Right. And you can say, actually, no, that's not really me. And maybe in that moment, the empowerment happens, the agency happens, the sovereignty happens, and they back down. They say, wow, okay, she knows, she knows who she is. Mm-hmm. And then it's a totally different culture, a totally different conversation. There's certain people that have pulled it off. Now, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know it's, it always feels like they had to go through this. Like, like you said, the Dave ship at the extreme, like I'm out. And so when I'm back, you're going to have to decide this person's the person enough because I'm, I already removed myself. I've already left the the caricature that I gave you guys. So when I come Mm -hmm. back, if I come back, this is what you get. And I want to believe it doesn't take the extreme measures, but I think in the pandemic from my personal experience, I almost felt like it did. I was like, God, do you have to like be so done, be so over something to, to finally find you. Like it's, it's such mm-hmm. a, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it, it makes me think about the hero's journey. This is a Joseph Campbell yeah. idea, this idea that we have to go through challenges in order yeah. to overcome, to really define who we are. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of people out there that in their own right, like when I look at Joe Rogan, for example, he is having extreme success being his authentic self, sure. but look how he did it. Right. Bulldozing a bit. Uh, yeah. Bulldozing. Like really looking at this new plat- at the time podcasting was brand new. Yeah. And he decided to be a trailblazer and that was where he ended up building his platform. You know? yeah. So I, I think it is incumbent on people who feel like they have a voice. We want to share it. Maybe not necessarily seeing how it fits in the mainstream to just do it from right where we stand. And a part of that makes, I'll say, I'll say that a part of my fear that I reckoned with a while ago was, and I, I think it still comes up of like, if I choose the most authentic version of me, am I enough? And I, part of that also is like, comma, will I be as big? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. As I was told I would be. <laughs> oh, we're getting into the meat so now. We're getting into it. This is it. This is it. And this, was, and this is the thing. So what does big mean to you? Exactly. Ex- exactly. And so that's where you start reckoning with your definition of success, how mm-hmm. it's changing, being okay with the fact of change, giving yourself permission to change, realizing that of course it changes, but it's very interesting how they forgot to sell us that part. They sold us mm. everything else, but the fact that the only thing constant in this life is change. Oof. So of course you're 20 and you go to LA and you're so excited and everything makes sense. Like when I started watching The Veil and I came pretty, I wouldn't say clear, but pretty aware. I was like, you're not here to play games. You know why you're here. Cause if you weren't here for this, you wouldn't live here. Let's be real. You like mm-hmm. it, you're good at it, but you know what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. And to find and watch that change and to find my care towards it, to have my team be like, hey, we need you to do this. And I'm like, y'all know, I don't care about that. They're like, y'all know, Stacey, we, we gotta, you know, it was a lot of like, we knew we had to act. I was like, wow, we have to do this. This, this level of perfection that I was mm-hmm. pretty good at that people mm-hmm. really bought into, that was tough. Yeah. So even watching you, like I heard you talk about the misconceptions you had about weed or about certain mm. experiences, self-help, things like that, mm. and and how you're so engulfed in it. And I'm like, look at this transition that happens in our life and, and how we change that success. And I, I just wonder what was that 
because that reckoning is pretty depressing if I'll be honest. And mm. I wonder for you, was that, was that a depressing well, moment? Yeah, what were some of That's those? a great thing to talk about because there is a mourning that needs to happen oh, because we have an expectation coming out to Hollywood. We think, ooh, I'm gonna get a show and be able to be myself. Right. Inspire people <laughs> with my authentic self. Yes. Then you realize, oh, everybody trying to editorialize this? Okay. Yes. So, so there is definitely a moment of grief that we get to have around this. You know, we get to feel it, to heal it. And there's something that happens when we get on a stage and we do our thing and then it doesn't turn out quite the way we hoped. Sure. That is actually why public speaking is the number one fear for most people is this mm -hmm. prospect of rejection mm -hmm. and being sort of kicked out of the tribe, right? And that's what it seems like it's happening when we have our show canceled or something like that. There's so many factors involved with any show getting canceled, as yeah. you know, but the, the feeling is something that we get to actually be with. And I think I didn't realize that until I went through a bunch of different experiences, uh, for lack of a better word, I call them experiences because they are more spiritually transcending moments than anything, but technically you call them a workshop. Right. <laughs> right. Meditation, right. you know, right. retreat. Uh, but these were the moments where I realized, oh, I actually tried to skip that step. I actually mm. tried to not feel my feelings because the pain is not fun. It's not the thing that I associated with the path I should have. You know, I was spiritually bypassing left and right. I was trying to avoid pain at all costs. And so I calloused myself. I numbed myself. And so when Dance on Sunset got canceled back in the day, I don't know if anybody remembers that show. It was TikTok before TikTok, right? <laughs> Way before its time. And that got canceled. And I remember putting my whole heart and soul into that show. That was the first show I decided to say yes to after I left MTV, because I thought, look at this show. It is attempting to get America off the couch dancing. Right, right. Get us in shape, get us feeling good, moving our right. bodies. All of that's so empowering. Uh, New York Times wrote us up. We were going to be the next American bandstand, according to them, right? right? right. And then we got canceled. Mm. And truth be told, that hurt. Because we all, the whole team, put our heart and soul into that. A lot of great people put a lot of really good ideas, great creativity into that show. And it got canceled unceremoniously after one season. Mm -hmm. And it took me years after until I was literally laying down in a mushroom ceremony, sound healing going on, beautiful live instrumentation around me. And a facilitator came over and leaned into my ear and he said, allow it, let it happen, right? He knew, he saw me squirming, mm -hmm. even as I'm on mushrooms, experiencing the whole intentional energy and community around me, I was still not willing to feel it. And it took yeah. him saying that in my ear, saying, trust the process. And so boom, there I was crying like a baby mm -hmm. because that is the equivalent of having a child sometimes if you yeah. care that much about the project, you know? Obviously, it's a rough metaphor. Any, any parents probably like rolling their eyes right now. <laughs> you don't know what it's like having a baby, Q. Don't make that metaphor, don't man. Make... A TV show ain't a baby. But you know what I'm saying, the spirit But you know, there. we speak from our experience, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's it. So it was, a, it, was, it was a really important thing for me to learn that whenever there's disappointment in something not working mm. out, we've got to feel it to heal it so that then we're complete with the experience. And we're not skipping steps and it's not kind of hanging out like a pebble in our shoe. Yeah. Because that's what happens when we don't process things. It's like a pebble in our shoe. And ever tried running a race with a pebble in your shoe? It ain't gonna work. Yeah. So do you think it 
when we make moments of like, oh, everything happens for a reason or it was supposed to happen or it's not a big deal because I know that God's on my side or whatever those things we say, do you feel like that's not fully processing it? That there needs to be, and not maybe not for everybody, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sitting with that. Yeah, It's a great question. I think some people process things differently. Some people just take a walk, they walk it off and that's it. Mm -hmm. They're complete. Mm -hmm. For me, where I was at, I put a lot into that, you know, and, and um, yeah, it was, it was a thing that meant a lot to me. Now I look back on it and I'm, I'm laughing a little bit. I'm saying, wow, was that really that enmeshed into my project that at that meant that I was going to feel that anguish. And yeah, I mean, that reality is that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that there's some, I think it's interesting that now you look back and you're like, wow, that's so not something you would be as affected by. And I'm like, wow, what an interesting level of growth there, but there mm-hmm. might be something now that I don't know that that's just yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I had a moment recently where I did a Ted talk and I put a lot into it mm-hmm. and I went on stage, mm-hmm. left my heart and soul on that stage. And I think it went really well. Like I looked around, everybody's resonating afterwards. The feedback is great. Yeah. And as we're speaking right now, the video for it is going to be released soon. So the anticipation of what it's going to do in terms of views is coming on as an achiever, as I sure, typically sure. think about everything and like impact. I think about, okay, well, it's all well and good to have had the talk in front of that audience, but now mm. what kind of impact can we have globally? And so yeah. I'm very present to that part of me mm. that will wrap myself in the results and not allow myself to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And so yeah. I know when I get feedback from people who are seeing it online as they watch it, that it's going to be really important for me to double down on each person and what they're saying and really receive it and not look at the touchdown line. Right. but it's not 5 million yet. So, so that's the thing. It's, it's really being in that dance. It's being in that dance of like, yes, it's good to have goals, but it's also really important to honor the steps along the way. Yeah. Speaking of, we are in the process, right? Like we are. Yeah. It's again, one of the other things that I think we weren't sold as early as we should have been that that should have been the only thing. And it's, Mm -hmm. I think that's what broke me so much. I was I was so mad for so, mm. for, I was so angry. I'm like, you guys lied and you told us we were enough, but you really meant like buy into perfection. And I bought mm. it and I thought it was gonna, you know, and I sold it. And I just, there's all those things that go with that. And mm. um, there's so many places I wanna take your journey, but I wanna make sure we kind of not start at the beginning, but I'd love you to share a story with us that identifies or that you identify as like a turning point of mm. a, okay, so I know what I'm doing. I see what's happening oh, wait, it doesn't hit me the same way. Wait, I'm not, I don't care as much. I'm not, or maybe it wasn't about not caring. You just weren't as fulfilled. What was that turning point? Those stories are always very- um, I've got a handful. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, he sure. could have, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I will definitely direct everyone to watch the TED Talk because there's a few stories in there oh, involving great. Kanye West and Usher and a couple of different things there. But I, the thing that's coming to mind is, along the lines of what you dealt with and how one day at MTV, as I was getting ready for Total Quest Live, I decided I would pick out my Afro that day. And for anybody who remembers that show and how I wore my hair, it would always be kind of in in these little curls, like little sort of like very, very uh, unthreatening curls. Let's call them light skin Mm. curl. Let's call them house nigga curl. Okay, so then one day I decided I'm gonna pick out my Afro Mm. and be like Questlove, proudly wearing my Afro. And so I walked down the hall with that Afro and one of the producers pulls me aside and he goes, Hey, that's different. That's a different look for you. Do you think that look is a little too black for us though? 
He said that. And I looked at him like, oh. and at that point, this is before George Floyd. This is pre-2020. And most people in that situation that I've talked to wouldn't necessarily rock the boat, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, Because there I am in the castle, right? Everybody talks about getting to the top of the mountain. There I am, top of the mountain. Yeah, right, this right. is the job. This is the dream job. Right. And so do I rock the boat that moment? Tell him he might be a little racist? Or do I say, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> Awkwardly laugh and walk away. And that's what I did. I stuffed down that part of me that now is... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's on fire. You can't stop me now. Right. You can't pour water enough on me to stop me from saying my truth. But right. at the time, I was very muzzled. And I realized just how tamed I'd been. Just yeah. like how house niggas were back in the day. Right. Right. You know, and the situation is obviously unfortunate so we get to look at all the systemic you know oppression and racism and all the things that we're now very well aware of but at the time we didn't even have a term called microaggression uh-huh right that's what right. that was right oh but you know it's under the guise of being a producer and thinking about the audience and all of the things that you can rationalize and that's a slippery slope so that was a moment where i realized oh this might not be the building i'm supposed to be in mm. if this is the executive producer of the show editorializing who I am and thinking about being too black. And, and then it was around the same time when I was advocating for Kanye to come on to TRL for the first time. And I remember having a debate with one of the producers because at that point he hadn't hit big. This was before Through the Wire came out. This as Through the Wire was coming out, excuse me. This is as it was just getting through college radio and just getting some spins, some buzz. And, and I met him backstage, Talib, who's a mutual friend of ours, introduced us. And so I heard Kanye rap on stage with Talib just now. And I thought, wow, you're dope. I'd love to bring you on MTV. And he was like, oh man, that's amazing. That's a big break for a young rapper. And so there I am the next day with my producer talking about this young rapper, Kanye West, who just produced a bunch of songs on Jay-Z's Blueprint, just did a great cameo on Talib Kweli's Get By Remix. And they were like, oh, I don't know if the audience would know. And I'm like, are we tastemakers? Mm. Are we now just going along to get along? Are we just not doing the thing that made us actually who we are? Like MTV was known for blazing trails. And now you're telling me that we're not blazing trails. We're just going to go ahead with the manicured lawn. Everybody's walking on. Okay. So it was a culture thing, Mm. you know? And that's why so much of the work I do now is around culture. And like, how do we actually create cultures within companies, within shows, within any given dinner conversation that is indicative of our heart and soul and who we really are. I don't believe anybody is evil. I don't think even people that were against BLM and mm. we were in the thick of it are evil. Mm. I just think it's a culture issue. They're not right. aware of the culture that we're living in over here, even in a place like Boulder, Colorado, where I am, where if a police officer pulls up next to me, I tighten up mm-hmm. and that's what it is to be black in America. Mm-hmm. But white people have a cognitive dissonance around that. They've never experienced anything like that. They don't know. Yeah, right. Can we really fault them all together? I mean, yeah. now obviously to be informed, at least have some awareness around it. Great. But like the visceral experience will never be theirs. Yeah. 
Mm, you know, it's something that I don't, I don't say often because I get nervous of being portrayed as like my, my, for, uh, someone in my life very close to me has called me, we are the world. They're like, ah. oh, we are the world. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how I got this way and I can't get out of it. Like I'm trying, <laughs> I get it. I know the world sucks, but it's hard for me to believe if I, if I internalize that we can never all get along, I won't be here. It's mm. not going to work. Right. And so mm-hmm. to your point of, can we fault them? And that question, because it's a, it's a, it's an honest question. It's a hard question, but it's honest. And and the way I started reckoning with it is I'm an able-bodied person who doesn't think about being a person who is disabled because I'm not. Yeah. I don't think about it every day because I don't have to. Yep. I'm a person who doesn't look and notice if a restaurant has a braille menu because I can see. Mm. So I don't think about it now. I'm aware that I don't. So I click it on I, and parts of me some days I'll be like, does this have a ramp? Just, just so, I don't know, something my, my body and my mind just needs to just know. But yeah. until I became aware of that, no, I didn't think about it. Mm. So thinking about being you know, a white person who literally doesn't think about us because they don't have to, I'm like, it was a hard moment. I'm like, no, but race has to be different. I'm like, but the person in the wheelchair also needed me to think about them and I didn't. Yeah. So... Is it all, you know, it's, 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 it's levels of empathy and it's a journey. It's a, it's a lifelong practice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's moments where I won't even necessarily think to the depths of what my partner is going through Mm. being with me as I'm about to go on a Ted stage, for example, Mm -hmm. like she's holding the possibility of me getting up there blacking out because she cares so deeply about me. Mm. And so I had a moment the other day where I was like, I really need to thank her because mm-hmm. the way she supported me in the preparation and even the day of looking at her in the front row as I was on stage, like that was so powerful to experience someone holding that. Like that's mm-hmm. arguably one of the biggest stages on the planet. And so the prospect of your partner going up and I was sharing a story with her about how one of my clients that I was coaching after he did his TED talk and had a really hard time and like it was like traumatizing, he forgot his TED talk. And so he came to me to basically get the courage up to do another TED talk and, and to do this thing, create content again, and this and that. It's like traumatic for him. So she's got that story playing in the background of her mind as I'm preparing for my TED right. talk. And it's like, wow, the levels to which she was sitting there looking at my preparation as unconventional as it is, wondering about, hey, baby, like, are you, you going to write the script though? It's like, <laughs> you're a week out. Have you, have you run the script? Have you rehearsed this thing? And I'm like, nah, 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 but I got this. It's like, do you though? Like, <laughs> and, and so anyway, I mean, it turned out, but wow, for, for her to have that level of connection and support and all of that mm. to the process, it means that like, if I'm really stepping into that empathy, that we're not just celebrating my success after I get off the stage, we're celebrating our success. Yeah. The fact that you held space for me to be able to process and prepare the way I did. And ultimately what's on the stage is as much, I'm like Tom Brady in it now, you know, Tom Brady does his press conferences when people ask him after the Super Bowl, how did you do it, Tom? Well, I got a great team. I mean, really that's, you know, but, but I think it all kind of goes back to what we are talking about, this idea of like, can we think of others mm. in a very connected invested way because if if we're not in that interdependent mentality which is so much of how we are in america right like if you go to a tribe in africa it's a different get down they have such an interconnectedness and interdependence and that's it's a different culture again it goes to like what's our culture that we're building yeah um in the 
light of talking about the nuances of transition, what was something that you were clapped for that you were scared to let go as you were transitioning? Mm. Wow. What did I feel like I was going to lose out on by stepping away? Mm, yeah. Like what was those things that people always praised you for that you recognize mm. and it could have been authentic, maybe a percentage wasn't. And then in that process of transitioning, you recognize it was possibly leaving. And what was that? Wow, what a powerful question. The irony is that I've always actually stayed true to who I was, but I didn't always see myself clearly, mm. which is an interesting dichotomy. It's, it's, or, it's this like cognitive dissonance where I was able to actually be present with people, be who I am, take Q-tips advice. Always thoughtful. Yeah, most people would, would yeah. I mean, a couple ex-girlfriends might not, but you know, like <laughs> overall, yeah, I always really tried to do the right thing. And, right. and and then so the issue was, I think, me not really seeing myself. And so when I think about the gift that my mother would give me every year, she would mail me from Canada a journal and say, journaling is such a powerful practice. You know, she could only say so much. And of course, I'm out there in New York doing my thing. What's up, I'm mom? Like, I'm going to get to that later, mom. <laughs> I'm getting a fresh bottle of vodka over here. What's that about a journal? Can we talk later? Yeah, we're right. <laughs> you know, but really when I think about what could have been done differently for me to actually have that real time awareness of how I was actually being true and I was somebody I could be proud mm -hmm. of and the situation wasn't really all that off. Mm -hmm. I was off in it. And this is again, like where it's so easy to be a victim and say, oh, it's, it's the culture of the company, but like, I'm part of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm complicit if I don't step in with my authentic self and say, hey guys, I'm gonna wear this Afro. Anybody got an issue? Yeah. Let's talk about it later. Right. And, and I didn't do that, right? So journaling coulda, woulda, shoulda. <laughs> but you know, now that's one of my practices that really helps me to mm -hmm. stay on course and, and stay in the honoring of who I am. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I did not know you came from a church background as well. I think that was a, a, a big, hard, wonderful, deconstructive process in my personal life and mm. listening to you talk about that and just the allegiance to church and to religion and to all that and, and what that process for breaking, even as you mentioned mushrooms and different practices, I'm like, I would believe that that's a very 180, right? Like 360 mm. probably, right? Of just mm. like that transition of what it takes and having to let go of so much fear along the way. And mm. I wanted to share that your favorite book, Conversations with God, which I heard is one of the books that impact you is also. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. My Neil Donald Wash came on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Amazing. And um, I got to hear that conversation. Powerful. Oh, it's a powerful conversation. Definitely ended me in tears. Literally, my producer was like, you're going to cry, aren't you? I was like, just stop. And I did. So, um, <laughs> but that was about, because that book really changed my life. It really gave mm. me an, an opening of freedom, an invitation to try something new, to, to even question, right? Mm. And so for you, as you were transitioning, were there parts of you that recognize... I mean, as we do interviews, right, you 
you're a thoughtful interviewer, but there are moments that you have, I've heard you talk about with not being fully vulnerable because you're like, yeah. that's not the job. The job is like, bring them out, make sure yep. they feel seen, but I don't yep. need to do that. And so yep. now as you are reckoning with who you are, what you, what you present versus like what you've hidden, mm. what were some parts that you, yeah, just that's had such to- such a great question. I, you're such a great interview. I'm so proud of you. I just wanna have a pause here and just be like, you're so great. Cause it feels like, you know, you, you really do come from that deep soulful place with every mm. question. So anyway, I, I'm gonna get Thank back you. into our experience here and not editorialize our experience here. Um, so, so the thing Thank that you. I was muzzling, it's kind of like when I think about Maya Angelou and how mm. she was a dancer before she was a poet. And imagine if Maya had all these words coming into her mind, but then she thought, but I'm a dancer. What if, yeah. I, what if I leave dancing? Will they accept me? You know? And it was the same thing with me. I was grappling with that. I was like, well, most people know me as this TV host and celebrated for that, but I've got all these things to say. I'm yeah. looking at that TED stage. I'm like, Ooh, I got some things to say. Yeah. And so now I'm honoring that voice and not muzzling that voice. I'm about to write a book and I'm about to do a podcast. And it's all these things that involve really honoring our voice. And, yeah. and so finally, after all these years, I'm like weaning myself off of that limited belief. But when I look at things objectively, and this is the challenge of most people is like, we can advise someone else on that. It's so easy for us to look at a friend and be like, Yo, of course you should yeah, put that right. down. Switch and it pick up. up this other thing. <laughs> right. I see you as that already. Like right. friends of mine, most friends of you know, you, you've been around me. So most most people would be like, uh, Caduce, what are you talking about coming out of your coaching closet? <laughs> you've been that guy. Like one of my uh, right. office mates at MTV, Susie Castillo. We shared an office when we were both VJs at MTV. Right, she right. would joke around. She'd be like, there is no such thing as small talk with Caduce. Oh my gosh. I have to affirm that as well, Caduce. I, I, our emails were you reading. I read one of our emails out loud to a friend and she was like, he was giving you advice. I was like, I know <laughs> he was already media mastery. And this was 2013. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I really look forward to that. Like, I just look forward to not only experiencing you here because I've gotten experiencing you there, experience mm. you there, but also just letting you know that you were always going to be here. Mm. Like you were just always, and I think that's kind of a wonderful thing we should share with everyone. Wherever you're worried about and struggled right now of like, is it going to be me? I'm telling you, you're already that person. Mm -hmm. It's really just you having to believe that you yeah. having to step into it. And something about that is a lot more difficult than I thought it was. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's shedding a skin. It's shedding a skin yeah. and it's, it's outside of our comfort zone. It's, it's uncertain. And, and uh, when we think about the thing that got us to who we are before we jump into who we are becoming, yes. there, there's Ooh. so, there's a bridge, there's a bridge. And it almost seems like an Indiana Jones movie. You know, that moment where like Indiana Jones is about to cross that bridge, but that bridge looks hella rickety. You're like, is it, is he going to make it? Like, yeah. you know, and and, and in light of the, the lack of certainty, it kind of feels like that transition can be rickety. Like, what am I standing on? <laughs> you know, and, and the reality is imposter syndrome is something that mm -hmm. riddles most of my, like most people I work with, most of us, period. Yeah. We yeah. deal with that, especially in a transition. And yeah. so to the degree that we can actually have faith that that seed that was put in us by whatever you believe in, you know, that that is actually something for us to water because we are emerging into something else. It's kind of like that caterpillar to a butterfly metaphor, yeah. you know, and it's going to hurt yeah. because we most of the time think that the thing that we're doing or we've been doing is going to end up going down a yellow brick road and we're going to end up in Oz. 
right. And then somewhere along the line, it's just like in the Oz movie. You're looking around and you're like, oh, this ain't, this ain't what I, this is hitting different. Hold right. on. Right. <laughs> and then you get to Oz, you realize, oh, wow, <laughs> this really ain't it. Right. It's different. It's something else. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, this might have been a ladder on a mountain that I thought was going to look different at the top. So now yeah. I got to look around and see what, what's the mountain that's really lighting me up. What's the fulfillment? Yeah. What kind of boundaries did you have to put in place to protect that transition, that piece, wow. that figuring out? You just keep coming with the good questions. Stacy! <laughs> I want to give you a goddamn gold medal right now. Okay, anyway, back into this. I receive right. it. I receive it. <laughs> oh, well, so it's interesting because, and this is the value of having these conversations. It's like being able to debrief moments in our life that, I, I mean, I never journaled about this. That's a question I never asked myself as I was going through it. I think I subconsciously knew that I needed to do that. And I did that. Mm -hmm. But now it's only in this conversation that I'm realizing that what I did was I immersed myself into spirituality and Mm self-development as if my life depended on it because it it did. Because Mm -hmm. the way that I related to that other game, the pop culture world, it was like being a crackhead. I literally felt man. Like I was weaning off drugs, yeah. fame, the dopamine that flows through when you get thousands of fans around you screaming your name and all that. Yeah. I mean, I had to wean myself off. Yeah. And so in order to, to keep my focus on what my soul was calling me to do, I, I literally did not engage. It was almost as if, yeah. you know, I went through a breakup and my couples therapist said, y'all should take some time. Don't talk to each other for at least a year. Maybe you can be friends after. Like that's really mm-hmm. what it was like. Crazy. And, and so I, I, I was blinders. I did all the work. Where were you living at <laughs> the time? Not just, where was I living? Living at the time during this. Well, I, the beginning of the transition was in LA. Mm. And so I was still bumping into people here and there. And sure. you know, I would still be at the Soho houses, but right. I'd be having different types of conversations. And, and that was probably the best example of where the intersection was starting to happen, where I, I could have the conversation that I really felt fulfilled about, not just talk about, oh, what are you wearing? You know, whatever yeah. stupid shit we talk right, about right. on red carpets. Uh, but I was able to talk about like, how, you know, how's your family? How's your heart? You know, I remember talking to John Legend's producing partner one day at Soho House. His name's Mike Jackson. He's Mike a friend Jackson. Of mine. And like, yeah, and he was going through something with his mom. And like, you know, years prior, I would have been so busy looking around the room to see who I should be smoozing with for the Mm. next interview that I would have missed out on the opportunity to be really present with a conversation I had with Mike the day that he was really grappling with something with his mom. And I was able to actually be leaning in, lean in. So that was like a moment of where all the tools, all the things we talk about in these seminars and these meditation retreats actually had a practical value and I got to see oh wow I'm showing up differently I'm able to listen to this man in a way that he's opening up Mm. and sharing with me and and so that was a snapshot of where I started to actually get on the other side and I realized okay so I've been in the dojo (laughs) and now I can start coming out I can start re-engaging with friends that are great they just happen to be in the industry that wasn't healthy for me in the space that I was in you know but now it's like like you needed to validate that part did you ever feel like you had to validate, excuse me to interrupt yeah. you, but did you have to validate, say it could possibly could be same fresh friendships, but different caduce? Was there a moment where you're like, yeah. yeah, I used to do this, but I'm not doing that. Like, did you feel all like- the time? I yeah. mean, to this day, to this day, sometimes I look at my Instagram bio and I'm like, it's just TV host, but I haven't hosted television in years. What is oh. that doing there? Mm. it's such a game that we play right well i gotta position myself people gotta know i have credibility Mm. and then what it's a very slippery slope but i mean in that case you know it's 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 not 
out of integrity, I mean, the TV hosting aspect of me is still alive and well now. Now I'm actually re-engaging. I'm talking to production companies. I'm talking about a couple of different shows. Mm. So your boy might be back on TV, but yeah. it's a different, well, talk about boy versus man. I mean, truly, right. Right. Um, as I refer to myself as a boy, I really was. I was, I was a boy. I was a boy. And the, that's a whole nother conversation. It's like what actually helps men become men in our culture? Absolutely. That's a whole nother ball game. Wow. But yeah, that was one of those things that, I mean, I got away with a lot of stuff uh, in, in, in the way that being on television allows for a lot of back doors on yeah. squaring off with the responsibility of what it means to be a conscious human. You know? And so it's like all of the work that I did in the past you know, 12 years since I stepped back from the game, it's like, wow, if I can come back to the yeah. screen with yeah. all of these right. lessons, Right. all these stories, all these insights, then, then I'm actually being authentic. Yeah. You're, you're leading into my next question. And part of I'm asking, part, partly I'm asking you for personal reasons. And partly I'm asking you because I just believe a lot of us found a very new version of ourselves during the pandemic. And as we're going back outside, I realized I got, I got nervous yesterday. I was like, Oh, we're going back outside again for real, for real. Like y'all are like back to the game, back to the party, back to the vibe, not saying any of those things are negative, but it's very easy to fall back. Like, I don't want us to, I'm like, guys, don't forget how we like loved each other and leaned and like really had hard. Don't please don't forget. Like I'm like yep. having my own moments with that. Yeah. And I wrote this question and I was like, how do you clean this up to ask him? And I'm like, just ask him, do you think it's possible for somebody? Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba go through a spiritual journey, an awakening, and still go back to who they, and still go back to whatever industry they were in, right? Like, is that possible? Mm. Let's say specifically, is it possible to yeah. do all that and get back on TV? And live <laughs> I don't need a therapist life? anymore, by the way. We just need to have conversation more often. I think that's, what it, so that's a it. question that I'm in right now. Sure. I'm currently in that question. Right. I don't know because this is about to be the exploration I'm about to go on. Sure. To what extent can I bring this full version of me back to that and, and and i don't i don't have assumptions about it i think i used to have a lot of assumptions right. you know people especially nowadays i think we get to question those assumptions because the world is changing mm. you know i think after george floyd all of a sudden there's an awareness around racism in america that was not there before yeah so i could even see dl hughley getting that spot on cbs that he didn't get years ago that went to Craig Ferguson instead. Right, so DL right. was all about this conversation well before a lot of us had gotten into it. Right. Half his jokes were about racism in America. Right. CBS wasn't ready for it. But now, I mean, DL's humor could work on that level because we're all in on the joke or not such a joke, sure. you know? That's a whole nother ballgame. It's like, how do you actually make jokes in this environment? And well, that's what I'm really looking forward to is how do I take all of the mentorship that I've been providing for people and do that on camera? Yeah. And, you know, as long as I'm clear about the intention that it's not about getting what the about, views, yeah. it's mm -hmm. about changing lives. Yeah. And then if the views come great, like we'll work from that priority of changing lives, inspiring people authentically. And then if the views come great, but let's not have it the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, in that process, is there an underlying lie that you have to combat with frequently? Mm. I think it's the lie that all things are not possible. 
Yeah. You know, I think with the grace of God being present in these conversations that I have with these production companies, with these networks, that they will all feel like what we're doing is special and it's to be nurtured and honored. And it's not- And it's important. Absolutely. If we get in a rat race game, we can miss out on the most important platform that we're going to have the most important conversations as a culture. Yeah. And when I look at Oprah, for example, what if Oprah had sold out? Had stopped. Or had stopped. Yeah. That that's ooh, that's that's serious because I it's something I when I when I was going through a very deep depression, most of it was related to like they're never going to figure it out. They're never going to get it. And so like mm-hmm. do I stay and beg them to get it or do I, do I just decide to leave? And it goes back to that like but I thought I was allowed to make change here. Like, why do you keep making me feel like I can't be here anymore? Right? Like that person, I mean, man, conversations with God took me out. I was Mm. gone. I was like, all Mm. right. I literally have the four agreements sitting right next to me. Just finish that. I was like, and I can't like, it's just, it's, 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 it's one new book and one new podcast, one new Jay Shetty at a time. I mean, it's a lot of processing and I just, I love and reckon with that so much because I, I always wondered, do do we get to do the transition and show back up wholeheartedly? Do, do we yeah. get to, or do we have to hang with only people who get the wholeheartedness, which I don't believe. I'm like, that's crazy. We're not going to hang in a bubble. That's pointless. We got to yeah. be able to come back outside. Well, I think you're a bridge. I think you're, you're a bridge worker is what I call you. Mm. You're someone who can speak both sides. Mm. And then every, everybody who's not quite on this side, living for fulfillment, not in that rat race, can hear what you are saying, how you're saying it, and they'll walk over, they'll come over. Mm-hmm. But it takes people like you actually walking that line. Thank you, I really appreciate that. And it kind of brings me to that social media game you brought up and mm. communicating, like I wonder even for you that communicating your transition, communicating your whole heart through mm. something that literally is a toy. It's a toy, <laughs> it's a tool, right? But we're trying to connect. You have an entire academy, the Media Mastery Academy of connection and impact yet we have to do these things through social. Mm. I have a lot of pain in that conversation. I get a mm. little, I mean, I leave a lot, a lot more than I planned on leaving. And I, I beg myself to, you know, obviously like it's, a, it's the job, right? It's a part of the job, but also all of us are doing it. All of us are doing it. It is a mm. rat race that I am, I'm, I deeply, <laughs> deeply am impacted by. I'm like, guys, what are we gonna do? Because yeah. we tell them to be vulnerable, we critique them for being too vulnerable. I heard someone mention on an app, I love that this is toxic positivity. I'm like, wait, wait, guys, this is a lot. How do we communicate? <laughs> this isn't mm. <laughs> like, how are we solving this problem? It, it's like post to be relevant, but not forget even relevant. Forget, we're trying to be, let's say you're, you're really in your authentic bag, right? You're like, no, I have a yeah. But I still have to tell you guys through this filter. I still have to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do well, you? Well, that, that's, that's why I've created the Media Mastery Academy. Right. That's precisely why. And, and how I deal with it is I, I really assign it a different meaning. Like, so instead of having it be this cancel culture tool, sure. I look at it like a sacred altar now. Mm. Like what if I could assign it a different meaning, have a different relationship with it? It's not contingent on all the things that could distract me from the thing that is authentic that I want to share. And I think about this a lot. I went to Africa on a mission trip to build a school in Malawi. And I remember sitting with the village and, you know, they circle, they circle up and they have their conversations in such a way where there's no distractions. Everybody's really present to each other, listening okay. deeply 
and they literally will come into the middle of the circle and they'll share their deepest truth. Mm. And then everyone around the circle will look at that person in the circle and honor them. And they'll even say things like, you know, in some traditions, they say, aho, as a way of sort of affirming that they heard them, right? So you imagine if we apply the same way, that culture that they've created in that circle yeah. to social media. Mm. And mm. that's what I'm playing with now. That's what I'm working on. What did you learn about yourself once you started telling your deepest truth? Well, I learned two things about myself and about the community that I had around me. I learned that it just feels better to yeah. say that deepest truth and to layer on something that can be beyond what my experience is that will connect and be the bridge for others to understand it and see themselves in it. So I started to learn about how to communicate in a powerful way to really inspire and move people into that consciousness. Mm. And so, so that was a journey. I mean, it, it's taken me years, I think, to really have the conversation in a way that does that. And that's so much of the work that we do at Media Mastery Academy. Yeah. And then on the other side of the coin, I also learned once I share like that, that instead of people judging or, you know, thinking, oh my God, who's this MTV VJ who thinks he's Deepak Chopra all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> that wow. people actually celebrated. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it works like concentric circles out from my own belief. So as I believe that it will spread out and other people will believe. But it yeah. takes that belief. It can't be this tap dance where I'm like, but but do you like it though? But yeah. you know, it's like right. this is this is the truth as I've been experiencing it. Mm. Here it is on your sacred altar. Mm. And then people will relate to it with that sort of energy, but it it, it really requires us staying diligent in what our intention is mm -hmm. and, and our truth is. Right before the unveiling of vulnerability, what was mm. that thing that was scary right before you were like, I'm doing it? What was the thing that stopped you from doing it? Oh, wow. Well, true vulnerability to me is something I want to define because, you know, vulnerability is a bit of a catch word now. Yeah. So vulnerability is when there's butterflies, when my heart's racing, mm -hmm. and when I really am scared about the prospect of what happens when I press play or, you know, publish, whatever it is. Yeah. And so for me, it was coming off my divorce and sharing for the first time on a podcast about what happened with the divorce and feeling like there was a volcano in my chest because I want to always honor the people like my ex-wife who made a difference in my life while also sharing my journey. Yeah. And so for me, that was vulnerable. For me, it was towing the line of, of honoring her while also sharing the thing that was so real for me and that I thought could really help other people. And, and, it, and it sure enough did. I mean, after I, I shared and then the thing got shared around, but people got in my DMs talking about, I just got the courage to break up with my husband after years of being so bent out of shape in this relationship. You know, so it's like, I think to the extent that we feel that, that, that heat around us when we're about to post, sure. there's Oof. something there for us. I have, you know, I always say like, when fear is present, the teacher's in the room. You know, and so it's like, that's the moment to lean in and get curious. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this resistance? Uh, Stephen Pressfield talks about this in, in his book, The War of Art. It talks about the resistance that we feel whenever we take on a new creative or courageous act or project. It, it, it's like inevitable. We got to know the resistance is coming. Is, yeah. That's you know, good. It's like it's Star Wars. You know what I mean? We're yeah. talking about light and dark. 
we're talking about Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker here. And Darth Darth Vader, you know when Darth he's gonna show he's gonna show he ain't messing right. around. He's gonna right. show you don't know how he got there. Darth <laughs> Vader all of a sudden gonna be in the scene. You keep breathing heavy on your neck, and that's how it is if you're really going there <laughs> right, in your right, work. Right, right, that's right. that's that's what it is. So just to really strap up my big boy pants every time and and to know that it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth yeah. it. On the other side, there's there's gonna be liberation for me in the sharing of it honoring it, healing in the process of sharing it. That's what I learned in a big way is like in the sharing of these challenges is how we heal. It's not by curling up into some dark room with a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's something that I know that I hope, I believe our audience is reeling and and reckoning with vulnerability and new stages of that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of why I asked, um, just about vulnerability and how to show up at work is a lot of us are going back to work, right? But if a lot of us grew and evolved and healed and tried and are still in the unknown right now, and I I want us to feel encouraged to walk outside and stay to that, but I get nervous. I'm like, guys, don't recoil. I know, I know, I know, but don't go back. Mm-hmm. Don't go back. Like it's all in front of us as much as it feels, it can feel hard. Yeah. Um, and well, I don't I think th- we're going to unknow that. Like that, you know, right. there's, that, there's that moment where you can't unknow something. Right. I think right. we've crossed that. Right. I think that's super fair. Yeah. I think that's really fair. You know, it's um, kind of like, it's kind of like, imagine, imagine you have the wildest, deepest, most incredible sex with someone. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, you don't hear from them for a week. And then you bump into them at a coffee shop the next week. And they're like trying to have small talk with you. Oh my God. And you're like, yeah, but we made love last week and I haven't heard back from you, dude. Terry Blake. Yeah. And that's how it's going to feel if people don't honor what we know. Mm. Oh, uh, I see where you went there. That's very deep. I love love a good metaphor. Okay. People, how do you want to show up at the coffee shop? That is, yeah, that's real. Wow. What do you advise people now? Obviously you have an academy and a number of different students, but anybody who maybe reaches out or is in your academy and they're like, I want to get into media. Hmm. Do you have this like (laughs) moment or like how, what do you now advise people when they're like, I want to get into media, whether that's YouTube or or TikTok or just doing content in general or journalism or, or, you know, I'm sorry, hosting, whatever, whatever, entertainment. Yeah, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. 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 What do you have um, a little like, you don't know what you're in for. Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. exactly. Exactly. I was like, or do you, you encourage Enter them all at your own risk. <laughs> this may cause trauma in your exactly. emotional body. Exactly. No. What I do is I, like, I, I, say, I ask them. Yeah. I ask them why. Mm. Why does it matter that you do media? Oh, what do you? And then you hear the back? answer. The answer is is telling. You know, I had I had a client uh, came to me through Clubhouse actually, and you know, I, I had a great conversation on the intake process with them and I thought, okay, this could be a fit. Mm. Could be, right? I, I was not sure because I, I interview clients before they become clients to make sure because the type of work that I do with people, it's oftentimes very deep and it's not the conventional media training. And some people, they want the fast, quick fix. They want the pill, you know, but that's not going to be sustainable and that's not going to be authentic. And mm-hmm. so I check in with people in that intake call. So it's not me like selling them on anything. I'm actually oftentimes making sure they're really of that spirit that they're up for actually doing that work to clear out the things that have been getting in the way of their heart, actually speaking. Right. Mm -hmm. So this person seemed like they were right there on the, on the line. 
on the, you know, and I'll say, okay, you know what? I'm going to just trust that, you know, he, he's in front of me for a reason. I said, yes. Sure. But as we were going along in the coaching relationship, it was clear that mm. the values that he was coming into the desire with were not holding him up to the level that you really need to have. That's the thing yeah. about the game. It's like, yeah. if you're not clear about what you stand for, you will fall for anything. And, and within that is the danger. Sure. You will end up tap dancing and being a shell of yourself by the end of your media career. If sure. you don't have your values so stamped into your heart. And that's a lot of the work that, that I do with people. Like we talk about vision and mission. We talk about the work of media on a very elevated level. So it's not mm -hmm. this thing. It's like, you know, this transient content floating around, just hoping it clicks. No, we're, we're having a revolution within the system. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. having a conversation change. Sure. a culture change sure. through media. So it's, it's very different at this Academy. It's not like, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to need your intonation to be this way when you <laughs> say this and then hold your hands like this and then say this script with this bullet point this right. way. No, fuck <laughs> that. That's like how old media trainings did it, but you know, oh my there's gosh. a lot to be yeah. said about like, let's really check in about yeah. the intention. That's really what it comes yeah. down to. Is yeah. it, is it, let's be honest. Is it because you want, validation you want fame you want success you want power you want money you want to be hanging out with beyonce and jay-z let me tell you all those things ain't what it's cracked up to be so wait if what if it is that what if well, what if somebody's then, like that's then what i, I would just i just i would just guide the person to understand that that is the game they're playing and just to be yeah. clear about that there's nothing wrong with that but that's the game you're playing i'll put it into perspective there was a, a meeting that i had back at mtv a couple of years into it sitting with a publicist that was overseeing my stuff. And she was saying, you're getting a lot of traction with all these outlets and it's great. Like People Magazine named me one of the sexiest men alive and like all those things that like, they weren't even working those angles for me, but they were, they were happening, right? So she says, you're doing really well, but you would do even better if you dated somebody who's in the industry, who is famous as well. And so I want you to like really think about that for a second because that's the intersection that happens so many times in so many different ways when you get into the game of media yeah. and the game of clickbait and the whole thing, it's so easy to rationalize. I could have said, okay, yeah, like, who do you have in mind? You know, and it, it ended up being a relationship on the basis of being more famous. So think about that. That's, yeah. That is essentially what a lot of people are living their lives through. Not, I wanna make a difference. I wanna inspire the next generation so they don't make the same mistakes we did. Like some of that, can be present, but if that's not in the driver's seat and the driver's seat is the desire to get clicks and yeah. be famous and make money yeah. and all that stuff, I'm, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna assert that at some point you will feel like a shell of yourself. You will feel hollow, meaningless, vapid, and that your life will amount to nothing but content that people will have already forgotten. Oh, so that's what I see most people go through. Like I've been in this game 20 years of course. and we all see it now. I mean, I do think that there's people that manage to hit that pop culture zeitgeist level sure. and keep their values intact. And that's the sweet spot. Sure. So I, I'm not sitting here as a cynic thinking it's not possible. I think it's right. very possible. Yeah. And it's probable, you know, if we do the work and set ourselves up to win that game. And be willing to, yeah. And just kind of Again, going back to the beginning of redefining what is big, what is impact, yeah. what is success, yep. That's it. what is productivity, 
Um, I'd love to know what is productivity to you now. I think watching you be, I, I just resonate. I know you because I, I know us. I know the type of personality we both have, right? I know how good I believe you are at your job as a TV host, as a, as, as a speaker, as a person who translates the interview. I sat in those same seats and I was like, yeah, I'm really good at this. But I know what I also was like willing to give up to be good at that, the vulnerability, the putting myself in a story, the listen, be cute, be nice, but be thoughtful, of course. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's, that, there's that interesting gap there. So I just wonder as, as we talk about not being a cynic to it, but knowing mm -hmm. that it takes a level of commitment and integrity to stay. Yep. And I want people to have that true understanding. I really want people to feel encouraged. It's okay to be integral and redefine what productivity is, what success is, what big is. So for having that type of um, strength and willingness to go through that game and do that thing and then come on the other side, what does that look like for you now? Did you have to let some parts go in terms of what productivity is, in terms of the rat race, in terms of speed? Starting a company, that's a biz, That's a whole other thing. Yeah. So part of you is like, oh, damn, it's a new rat race. It's a new game. Because this <laughs> is a different space too. Like when people would be like, Stace, you you really fit well in this wellness space. I was like, don't tell me about fitting. And I don't want to, it's not about fitting. I'm just trying to be somewhere. Like, I'm just trying to be what I, I'm, I'm not trying to yeah. be a part of a new game. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, because then, then there's like the spiritual there's a ego. New, there's a new yeah. set of content notes. And so, no, what, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yo, Everybody yo, get on the so Instagram, good. sign in. Here are the links. Hit, yeah. Listen. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. No, no, it's so, so good. I mean, I think there, there's people yeah. in, the, in the wellness business that end up, being on a mountaintop in their mind and that they're better than other people who don't do thing. yoga as much or meditate as much. And that's no. just another form of ego. It's the <laughs> it same looks different. thing. Yeah. So I think yes. it's really wise to be weary of that. I think that for, for me, it, productivity looks like every day checking in with myself about what it is that I have on the calendar that day and making sure it's consistent with what I care about. And if it's not consistent with what I care about, what lights me up, then by the end of the day, I'm going to start making moves, Yeah. you know? So it's like a constant audit of sorts. I mean, that's why I have my morning practice every morning. It's non-negotiable. I hike or I move my body somehow, move, dance and meditate and sit and yoga and, you know, all the different things that help sure. me to really get clear about the game as it's happening. Yeah. Because never again will I not check in and have these moments where I have a coach and I have a journal and I have my practices and I have a partner that I can count on to call me forward. I don't call it out, mm. <laughs> call me forward. Uh, and so all those things are, are, are in great. place now. That's a you know? great uh, news perspective change there. Call me forward, yeah. not call me out. I love that. Yeah. And that's really what we need in cancel culture right now. Cause it's just too many people that are just waving this judgment stick and just knocking people out and, that's not, that's not kind. That's yeah. just not kind. Yeah. Um, so then, so yeah, so like productivity now, it's really great because I, I have worked that for a while now. And so I'm looking at my calendar every day and I have a few coaching calls. I have a couple of development meetings, you know, I'm uh, building a community with the summit group and, you know, all these different things that are all consistent with my values. And, and Media Mastery Academy is right at the top where I, I see how this is the thing that I wish I had had when I started at MTV, sure, sure. you know? And um, so that's what productivity looks like for me is, is really measuring impact and looking at my results through the eyes of my students' results. 
and and you know not necessarily the views of the content. I mean, it's nice when I post something on Instagram and it resonates, sure. but it, it's not it's not getting in the way of my flow and my priority, which is making the impact and the depth of impact, not just right. the sort of like quick hit sort of meme thing. It's like actually asking a question that that person needs to unlock the next level of their life. So that's that's what productivity looks like for me now. That's amazing. I really appreciate <laughs> that last sentence. Uh, making sure to put out things that make somebody resonate with it and really unlock their potential. Like that's, that's light work. That's light work. That's, that's what it that's is. My that's my life's work. That's, <laughs> that's what I've dedicated my life to. And it looks a lot of different ways Beautiful. too. I yeah, mean, of course. You know, it can look like a TV show if right. we're having the conversation that's going right. to actually move people. Right, right, right. One of, to me, some of the worst advice um, I've ever received is when people say like, you just got to know what you want. You got to know what you want. And I'm like, if I knew what I want, I wouldn't be talking to you. And I'm also like, the reason I officially don't love it is because I believed I was a pretty sure person. Mm. And so when everything became very unsure, I was like, this is terrible advice, guys. Because when I realized that me, and I know that's, you know, I only know my experiences closely. So I was like, I know people think I'm a very sure person. So when I reckon with the fact that I'm, I'm actually not, I'm superhuman and very reckon with the unknown a lot. I was like, oh, this is terrible advice. People should stop telling people that. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, what do you think? How, how can we reframe that advice? I understand what people think they're saying when they're like, you got to know what you want. I get what they think they're saying, but what's a better way to say that? What's a more thoughtful way so people can really resonate with finding what they want and how to pursue it? Well, I don't think we talk nearly enough about how we feel yeah. as an access point for knowing what we want. If so mm. we look at the body and we look at it as like a, a tuning fork, if we look at it as, as the interface point between our spirit and the world, then we can understand that it's actually where the wisdom is. The body mm. actually indicates what is our North Star. We don't pay attention a lot in our society. Yeah. We don't sit in our stillness enough to even be able to be in tune with our own musings you know, in real time. And so that's why you know, whenever I feel something strongly, there is that intuition that we all have access to. Unfortunately, you know, some people, uh, they will interpret excitement as anxiety and go get some mm -hmm. pills and numb it. And then therefore they won't have access to that intuition and their guidance. So they'll outsource it. They'll go to a therapist, et cetera. But if we actually take some time with our compass, listen deeper, it's always there. Yeah. We always know, but yeah. it's just the process of actually creating a space for that and nurturing that. That's and, and so that's, that's, that's so much of the work that I love is really making sure no matter if a client is looking at me for their answers, I will actually check in with them. Even if they say, what do you yeah. think? I'll say, well, let's check in for a second. Let's slow down. What do you think first? Yeah. Chances are you actually know the situation better than I do. You know yourself better than I do. Right. So can we take a moment for your own counsel to emerge, for your own wisdom to emerge? You know, and I think that's really where the juice is. And that's why in this culture, it's constant stimulus and social media. And sure. now the pandemic is wrapping up and we're getting back in the world. It's so easy to get swirled up into all the things that pull us out of our center. Yes. And our compass being clear. Yeah. So that's the work. That's yeah. really it. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap shortly before we do, I want to ask you one last question. What is the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm not trying to question you end with, I mean, you have me walking out of the world raw as hell. All right, so. 
Oh, the thing that I've forgiven myself for for the first time. Wow. <laughs> what a radical question. Okay. I'm going to really be with that. The thing that I forgive myself for is all of the choices that seemed unconventional to a lot of people leaving MTV at the height of my success, you know, doing the Dave Chappelle thing before Dave did. Right, right, right. <laughs> and things like that, that when I look back on them, seemed like very unstrategic moves, but they were soulful moves. Mm. And so I forgive that part of me that has made myself wrong for so many years because it didn't look like other people's journey and that I've ended up in this place because I finally gave myself grace. I finally gave myself that forgiveness to honor who I am, to honor the coach that I am, the guide that I am, the voice that I am, that I'm not just gonna sit there on a red carpet asking other people what they're wearing <laughs> mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's something else that wants to be said through me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and for answering uh, that. I know it was, a, it was that question, but it's something that I think helped heal me and I love to hear from the people that I, I chat with about about that for them so thank you oh it's, a, it's awesome an honor. that was beautiful thank you I mean awesome. listen I, I definitely got hit with a wave of like, <laughs> but the, that, yeah, yeah the healing does happen in that space and this is yeah bring it full circle if we're talking about healing you know it's it's that butterfly moment and sitting in that and answering that question that has been on our heart you know whether it's through a friend or whether it's within ourselves and yeah. answering it Ooh, that is it. It's, that is the healing. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Caduce on human to human, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. This is continues to encourage me of why this platform was super, was the only thing I could see myself engulfing my body and my mind, my heart, because I was like, guys, we have got to tell each other. We got to realize that this is different than we thought. I know they gave us one thing, but it's something else. And I think there's a lot of humans who also agree. And I think if we keep talking about it, we can keep. So thank you so much for just being being super present with me. Joyce. Well, thank you. And just so you know, I've been on the verge of doing a podcast of my own for mm -hmm. a while. It's been mm -hmm. tapping on me mm -hmm. and I've been feeling some resistance around it, busy coaching other people on their sure. platforms. But this experience was so encouraging because this is what mm -hmm. I'm also very inspired to create for people as well. Okay. You know, I know that you have the intention of creating a space for healing in these conversations because I feel it on this yeah. end, you know, and that's the same thing that I'm about to do with my podcast. So thank you. So really excited for you. Thanks for listening to the Human Human Podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Caduce. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, and while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share it. Stay connected between episodes at humanhumanseries.com where I'll be answering this episode's reflection question. You can also stay connected with us on IG at Human Human with Stacey Ike, or you can find me at One Take Stace, not one like the number one, one like the only one. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's be curious, let's be in community, and let's stay connected. This episode was produced by Stacey Ike, Tracy Lincoln, audio engineer, Jarrell Jones, and special thanks to our guests and the entire team of Stacey Ike, Inc. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.